que est filius melus dilectus in comici vene contracum ipsum ipsum audite this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. These words uttered by the Eternal Father are the words that from the beginning, the whole world was waiting to hear. From the time of the fall of our first parents, poor old Father Adam, poor old Mother Eve, all of their descendants have been waiting to hear just these words. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Today, we ascend the mountain of the Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John, yes, but there are others who make their way with us to the holy mountain, notably the patriarch Jacob today. As you know, the Sundays of Lent, in fact, even the Sundays of Septuagesima Tide before Lent, are dedicated to the presentation of the patriarchs, so that each Sunday we are reintroduced one of the patriarchs. And so we had Abraham on Quinquagesima Sunday. We had Isaac on Quadragesima Sunday, last Sunday, the first Sunday of Lent. And today we have Jacob. Now, you know about Jacob. He didn't have an easy time of it. His whole life was marked by tribulations and setbacks and sufferings and disappointments of all sorts. Through all of it, Jacob professed his confidence in God's plan for him. And so the intro of today's Mass is in some way the prayer of Jacob, this man very close to us, in that he experienced and suffered the trials of life. And through them all, remained steadfast in trusting God. God knows what he is doing. God knows what he is about. And so the intro of today's Mass is taken from Psalm 24. Also, the gradual of today's Mass is taken from Psalm 24. Now, this ought to make us 
sit up and, and pay attention. What? The same psalm is used twice in today's Mass. Why is that? It's the church's way of saying, when you get home, open your Bible, kneel down, and open it to Psalm 24, and repeat it until, by repetition, the words of the psalm descend from your head into your heart. The church is inviting us today to make Psalm 24 our own. This is why the church uses the psalm twice. The church is a mother and a teacher. And she often employs repetition in order to suggest, to invite, to propose that we attend to something with particular attention. And so we prayed in the intro to the Mass. Remember, O Lord. Now, the translation you'll find in your missal is disconcerting, because the Missal translation has, remember, O Lord, thy bowels, thy bowels of compassion. A curious phrase. It suggests that what is deepest in God, like the entrails of a mother, what is deepest in God is his mercy towards us. We're asking God to allow himself to be moved from deep inside. The psalmist says in another place, my heart was moved within me. And so we began the Mass today by saying to God, and it's Jacob's prayer really, Remember, O Lord, thy bowels, thy entrails of compassion, and thy mercies that are from the beginning of the world. The history of the world is, for those who know how to read it with the eyes of faith, the history of the mercy of God. Thy mercies that are from the beginning of the world, lest at any time our enemies our invisible enemies, the powers of darkness, rule over us. Deliver us, O God of Israel. Now, Israel is Jacob's other name. You know that Jacob received a new name, a second name, Israel. And so we're praying today uh, with this vivid image of Jacob, Israel, in mind. Deliver us, O God of Israel, from all our tribulations. The two things go together. Israel, Jacob's other name, and tribulations. Because Jacob is, well, not quite like Job, but very nearly like Job, the man of tribulations, and the man who prayed through them all. And the psalm verse at the intro, it had us say, to thee, O Lord, have I lifted up my soul. Levavi anima meam. Now this little word, levavi, lifted up, is hugely important in today's Mass. The whole movement of today's Mass is upward. Upward 
because of the image of Jacob's ladder. You know what happened when Jacob, uh, weary, fell asleep at the place of his encampment, and behold, he saw a ladder, the top of which reached heaven. The foot of the ladder was on the earth. And as he looked, Jacob saw angels of God ascending and descending. He looked and he marveled. This is a terrible place in an awe-inspiring place, a wonderful place. This is the house of God and the gate of heaven. This was Jacob's reflection upon seeing the ladder. Now the ladder is a figure, a foreshadowing, not just of one thing, but of many. First of all, the ladder itself is a figure and a foreshadowing of our Lord Jesus Christ. The mediator, the high priest. We make all our prayers in the sacred liturgy per Christum Dominum Nostrum, through Christ our Lord. Every prayer of ours reaches heaven only through Christ. And every answer to reaches us only through Christ. Christ is the ladder. Christ is the mediator. Christ throws himself across the immense chasm that separates man from God and makes of himself, St. Catherine says, a bridge but Jacob saw it not as a bridge, but as a ladder. In every holy sacrifice, the ladder is erected on the altar. The altar becomes the place where Christ, through the ministry of his priest, exercises his mediatorship all that is ours can go upward and into heaven through Christ. And all that God would give us descends through Christ and we receive it from the altar. So we have this upward movement in today's Mass, but the upward movement continues, does it not? In the Gospel, we heard at that time, Jesus taketh Peter and James and John. They were the chosen ones within the chosen band, the intimate friends of Jesus. Those chosen ones within the chosen band with whom he shared the deepest secrets of his heart. And at that time, Jesus taketh Peter and James and John and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart. This upward movement, you see, continues. And he was transfigured before them. Who 
what must have been their reaction. They went up the mountain not knowing what would happen at the summit. But when they arrived there, they saw Jesus as they had never seen him before. His face did shine as the sun. Next year, wasn't it? And his garments became white as snow. All of the splendor of heaven suffuses our Lord Jesus Christ. His human body becomes in some way transparent and all the glory of his divinity shines forth in a way that the evangelist can only describe as a face shining like the sun and garments glistening like white snow. Still more comes as Peter and James and John look on in, in astonishment. Two other men appear. Who are they? But Moses and Elias. Moses, the giver of the law, and Elias. And as Peter, James, and John look on, Jesus engages Moses and Elias in conversation. Peter observes, spellbound, and as is his want, Peter often says what he thinks before he has thought it through. And so Peter, observing this, blurts out, Lord, it is good for us to be here. He said, of course, what the other two were thinking, but dared not say. Domine, bonum est nos hic ose. Lord, it is good for us to be here. Peter knew that he was experiencing something a foretaste and he wanted it to last he didn't want it to come to an end he wanted to prolong the experience and so he adds if thou wilt let us make here three tabernacles tabernacle simply means tent three tents one for thee and one for moses and one for elias course in the Middle East, every chieftain has his tent. Of course he does. And every king has his tent. And a splendid tent it is. And so Peter looking on says, it's only fitting that these three leaders should have their tents. Now, in the Middle East, the tent of the king and of his close associates, is a place of lavish hospitality. You mustn't think of a small, hokey little tent with no room in it. You must think of a spacious tent with precious 
carpets and beautiful hangings and cushions and food and drink. The tent, you see, is an image of hospitality. So, Peter knew what he was saying at some level. If the three are provided with tents, we'll be invited in and we'll be happy forever hereafter. Peter had in mind the sacred obligation of hospitality. It wasn't to be. The hospitality of God, imaged by the tent of the king, awaits us in heaven. Heaven will be the divine hospitality, a lavish hospitality, forever. But it wasn't to be at this moment. And as he was yet speaking, behold, a bright same Holy Ghost who overshadowed the Blessed Virgin Mary at Nazareth in the mystery of the Annunciation. A bright cloud, a sign of the divine presence, and lo, a voice out of the cloud. So you have the cloud, but now you have voice was that of the Father. And what does the voice out of the cloud say? The Father presents his Son to Peter, James, and John. He says, this is my beloved Son, in whom Son of God, God from God, light from light, very God from very God, as we shall profess in the Creed in just a few moments. And then comes this commandment out of heaven, addressed to each of us, to you and to me. Ipsum audite. Hear ye him. Which means, open the ear of your heart to him. Drink in all that he has to say. Open yourself completely to the words that come to flower on his Take his words in, hear and desire. Some years ago I was in Rome, where there is a museum of sacred artifacts next to the Basilica of the Lateran Basilica. And visiting this museum, I stopped in front of a case 
that contained the magnificent Baroque monstrance to contain the sacred host of the body of Christ. And this was not only a work of extraordinary craftsmanship that made of chiseled gold and other precious metals, but there was more. The monstrance depicted the Eternal Father, just above the Luna, the little crystal window that contains the host, there was a depiction of the Eternal Father with open eyes. And the gaze of the Father is fixed on the Son, that is to say, on the sacred host. And beneath the Luna, contained the host was a scroll on which this was written, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear my hymn. And the son of the monstrance was a depiction of the Holy Ghost. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. And for those of you who are here as donors to participate in the 40 days of continuous exposition of adoration of the Lord In effect, the Father is present over the host saying to you, this, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear me him. And this, of course, is the secret of adoring the most blessed sacrament. Not a lot of talking. Not a lot of saying of prayers. Not a lot of thinking piousness. But a listening. So there is this Eucharistic aspect to today's gospel. And the disciples hearing, this of course is a manifestation of the Most Holy Trinity. And the disciples hearing fell upon their face. I would have done as much had I been there. My nose would have been in the dust, prostrate on the ground. They fell upon their face and were very much afraid. Afraid in the sense that they were overwhelmed by the presence of the divine majesty. And Jesus came and touched them while their faces were in the dust. Moses and Elias withdrew. And the glory of our Lord's divinity receded to be once again veiled in the tabernacle of his humanity. And Jesus was again the Jesus whom they knew and loved. And Jesus, it's a very beautiful detail in the gospel. Jesus came and touched is that not a beautiful detail? There they were, prostrate on the ground, their faces 
faces went down when Jesus came. He must have stooped down when he couldn't have touched my face. I picture Jesus coming and, and kneeling at the side of Peter, James, and John's body. It's all right, Jesus. It's all right, Jesus. Thank you. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Like a father waking a sleeping child in sleep. And he said to them, Arise and fear not. And giving him that assurance, they, Jesus gives them that assurance, and they then, lifting up their eyes, they expected, I suppose, to see what they had seen just moments before, but no. Lifting up their eyes, they saw no one. Moses was gone. Elias was gone. The cloud was gone. There was no more voice. And St. Matthew says, so beautifully, they saw no one but only Jesus. Risen, soaring Master. But only And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus comes down the mountain with them. He accompanies them back into tribulation, trials, the testing of life. And of course, this transfiguration was God's way of preparing the same Peter, James, and John for the disfiguration of Jesus that they would witness in the agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. The transfiguration and the disfiguration. And as they make their way down, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man, till the Son of Man be risen from the dead. Jesus is saying to them, in effect, now what you have seen, hold it in your hearts. Keep it to yourself. Don't talk about it, because if you talk about it, you'll lose something of the experience. Hold on to it. And this experience will carry you through my bitter passion, my death, my passion, into the glory of my resurrection. And then, then, speak of what you've experienced, because then you will understand. Tell the vision to no man the Son of Man be risen from the dead. Now, just a wee word about the Offertory Anthem, because as is so often the case, the Offertory of the Mass continues the Gospel. It is a kind of, uh, in some way, uh, it, it continues the Gospel, but also it, it sums it up. It allows us to take the Gospel apart even more deeply. And so, we shall sing in just a few moments this, what is to my mind one of the most beautiful offertory anthems of the whole Gregorian repertoire. Just, it's, it's, it's magnificent in, you'll hear it, you'll hear it when the brothers sing. It's, the words are, I will meditate on thy commandments. Meditabo in mandatus tuis, but what commandments? 
commandments. The Father has just given the commandments. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. This is the Father's commandment. Hear ye him. And so we sing in the offertory, I will meditate on what I have just heard the eternal Father say. And it goes on, which I have loved exceedingly. Because that one commandment of the Father, hear ye him, sums up all the commandments given to Moses, given to the patriarchs, repeated again and again by the prophets, all of the law and prophets are perfected and given us in Jesus. Who hears Jesus, hears all of the commandments that were given by the Father. And I have loved them exceedingly. One who, who listens, listens with the ear of the heart, begins to love. And the anthem will go on. And I will lift up my hands to thy commandments. The commandments of the psalm are summed up in Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And so the offertory anthem becomes for all of us a lifting up of our hands to the adorable person of our Lord Jesus Christ. We lift up our hands in the offertory anthem. And Holy sacrifice will continue, and in response to our uplifted hands, he will descend to us. And then we, like the apostles, lifting up our eyes at the elevation of this holy mass, will see in him our Lord Jesus, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.